Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Well, good morning, Vibrant. Can we give it up for everything that is going on here and what God is doing? And can we give it up big for all of our guests in the house today? So glad that you're here. We are in our Uncommon series, as the video showed you right there. And today I want to talk to you about uncommon communication. But before I get started, I would, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't do some of these things with some of the points that I'm going to share today. You'll see why in a moment. But I just want to say... Baby, my wife right here, I love you. Thank you for putting up with me when I was an idiot. Uh, We've been married almost 11 years, and I'll say about four years, we were just playing house. We weren't really married. Anybody anybody know what I'm saying there? We've been married for about six years, but we didn't know what we were doing for about three or four. And she stuck in it, and she hung around. So I just want to say thank you, and I love you. And then to our lead pastors, Michael and Carmen Scobie, you love your pastors here. I just want to say I love you, man. We, we, we rode in the car back in Lumberton, Texas, and we talked about this day. We dreamed about this day, and now we're doing it. And so I just want to say I love Michael and Carmen Sp- Scobie big time. They are amazing, and I honor them, and I value them in my life. And you guys got some good pastors around here. Amen? And then our worship team, our worship team killed it. Can we give it up for our worship team today? And, and Taylin, where are you at, girl? Are you in here? Holler at me. Where are you at? Man. Woo. Hey, I don't know about you, but I got chills when she hit her part. Man, y'all need to go talk to her and tell her she killed it today on her part of her song. But good stuff. But I just want to jump into this. And our key verse here today in this series is Romans 12 and 2. And it says to not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but to let God transform you, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. You know, the text says to let God transform you. And this informs me that I don't have to do a lot. I don't have to work. It's God that does the work if I allow him to operate in my life. And so this is why God is a God to be understood, not to be understood, but he's a God to be experienced. And I just want to say before we get going, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some shots at some of you guys. I'm going to throw some shots at some of you ladies. And I just want to apologize from the, from the get go. Okay. I love you. Okay. (laughs) But I'm I'm coming after you today. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming after you. (laughs) And so, and so husbands, I'll make this statement. Don't be over there going, God help this woman that I'm married to. She is cray cray. Don't do that today. And wives, let's let's holster the elbows. Okay. Keep your hands and arms and feet inside the car during the ride during all times. Okay. Can we do that today? 
But I want to start off with there are what what are what are classically called four levels of communication. And, and if you're taking notes today with a pen or a paper on your phone, man, I would I would love for you to take notes and write all this down. And and so I'm jumping into my points right now. And the first level of communication is surface communication. These are cliches like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? You know, it's uh I'm good, fine, and you. Uh, sometimes it can be even be nonverbal. You know, maybe you're walking in the mall and you make eye contact with that guy and you just kind of, so, so, you know. <laughs> Guys, we know that. Ladies, maybe you can relate to this. It's, 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 it's not even a word. It's a grunt. You ask your husband, hey, how you doing? Mm. <laughs> you make a meal for him and, he, and you go, is that pretty good? Mm-hmm. You know, like... <laughs> So these are just surface. They're just just on the surface. The next level of communication is general information. This is stuff like, hey, Johnny's got a test today. Make sure he studies before that, you know, he goes into school. And and it's things like, man, traffic is crazy. I-45 is stopped again. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be home late. Or I'm I'm working out with the guys tonight. So, you know, don't wait up for me. I'm going to be at the gym for a while. And, and another thing, why is it always Johnny? Why is Johnny the example? When did that happen? How that's, I don't know. So those are the first two. And really, that's kind of where all of us stick at. We kind of hang out at. We don't go any further, but there are other levels. The third one is deep feelings. And people have feelings, and we need to express them. And what I've found out about feelings, this is crazy, my feelings aren't always right, but they are always real. You know, a lot of us, we don't have a safe place to express our feelings, so we just bottle them up, and that's not healthy. Can, can you, there's two Cokes right there. Can you help me out with, with those? I like those. So this is how it kind of works with our feelings, is, is we bottle them up. We get shook up by life. Life drops us on the ground, it throws us around, it messes us up, and we get all messed up, and then guess what? I'm not, not going to do you like that, I'm not going to do you like that. So, y'all got scared there, didn't you? <laughs> I love you, Mama T, we already, we already established this, but that's not, that's not cool when we get bottled up. We don't share our feelings. We don't express them. We don't have a safe place to, to pour those out. But when we have someone, we have a relationship, we have our feelings, and we have a safe place to pour them out. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. Now you all want a Coke. But if I, if I take, I'm not going to take that one because I got really lucky that when I threw that down, it didn't go just all over the place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But, but a lot of us, we don't, we don't do it this way. We do it the other way. And there's that one thing, that one thing that sets you off. It wasn't the thing, but it was the thing that set you off and you just explode and it's messy and it's sticky and it's, it, it affects other people around you when you go off on them, when you give them a piece of your mind. You know, you heard that. And so a lot of us, we don't have a safe place where we can share those feelings and, and emotions, but we need to find that place. 
And in conflict, I want to encourage you to do this. And I'm going to speak a lot about marriage relationships today, but all this stuff applies. It transcends into anything, parenting, uh, siblings, children, co-workers, friendships, whatever it may be. You can use all of these things in those relationships. But a good thing to say when you have feelings, when you have emotions, is don't blame or criticize or attack. You can use this statement right here. You can say, when you do that or when you say that, it makes me feel like fill in the blank. Because again, you can't question my feelings. My feelings are real. They may not be right. I'm acknowledging that sometimes we share emotions and feelings and it is way off base. But we still need to let those out or they become bottled up and they create a mess. And you know what? I, I want to say this as well. If sharing my feelings with you is going to be a doorway to a fight, I'm just going to shut the door. And guess what? When the door gets shut, it becomes silent. And a silent relationship is a dying relationship. So I need, I need an avenue that I can walk through to share how I'm feeling with you and I don't get attacked. You ever shared something with somebody and they hit you with the yeah, but? Yeah, but you didn't take out the trash. Yeah, but you didn't do this the other day. Yeah, but you forgot our anniversary four years ago. It was four years ago. We're not talking about this right now. We're talking about what I'm going through. Don't hit people with the yeah, but. Because yeah, but will kick your marriage's butt. Yeah, but will kick your relationship's butt. Yeah, but will kick your friendship's butt. It'll kick your kid's butt, your parents' butt. We got to get away from the yeah, but. No, just let people share what they're going through. Don't keep it bottled up. The fourth one, the fourth level of communication is deep needs. And I said most of us hover around on one and two. Some of us get to three. Unfortunately, in whatever relationship you have in life, hardly any of us get to this one. And it's sad. You know, most marriages and relationships that get to this, they are the most effective, they're the most healthy, and they're the most fulfilling. Because when I'm meeting your need, when I'm not worried about, I need this, and I want this, and do this for me, but when I flip that, and I say, what can I do for you? What do you need? Man, it is such a blessing. And Pastor Chris Hodges, before he became the, the senior pastor of Church of the Highlands, he shared a story about how he's an associate pastor for about 18 years. And a lot of that was spent counseling couples, young married people. And he said that they would come in and he'd say, you know what, before we start talking about your problems, your struggles, whatever you're going through, I want to ask you something. We're going to do a little exercise here. And he would look at the husband and he would say, I want you to write down your wife's five greatest needs. I want you to write them down. And he would look at the wife and do the same thing. Write down your, your husband's five greatest needs. He said he did this for 18 years, almost on a weekly basis. He said not one time did a husband get a need right of a wife or a wife get a need right of a husband. Like, think about that for just a second. And he said, okay, I want you to throw those, like crumble his papers up and throw them in the trash. We're going we're gonna to put a twist to this exercise. And he'd say, husband, I want you to write down and tell your wife what your five greatest needs are. Wife, I want you to write down and tell your husband what your five greatest needs are. 
And, you know, maybe after, after church today, you may need to go to your spouse and go, hey, am, am I meeting your needs? You may need to go to your kids and say, hey, do I do everything that you need me to do? Kids, you may need to go to your parents and say, hey, what am I doing that, that I'm not doing that you need me to do? Because when we ask these questions, we become better. We become better people. We become better friends. We become better spouses. Everything becomes better. I'll say it like this. This is so funny. The way that we approach relationships and our our theories and and our thoughts and our, our patterns is so crazy. And when we look at through a different lens or a different glass, we see how stupid it is. I'll give you an example. If, if you went somewhere to, to eat today after church and, and you sit down and the waiter or the waitress comes up and they said, ma'am or sir, what would you like? And you go, well, how dare you? You don't know what I want. I come here all the time. You should know what I want to drink. You should know what I want to eat. And you should be cooking it right now. Man, like you would be being a Karen, you know, (laughs) okay. And if your name is Karen here and you don't understand that joke, we love you. It's okay. Okay. Ask somebody after service, (laughs) but that's crazy. We tell a waiter or a waitress what we need, what we want to eat, but then we don't tell our friends or our loved ones, what we need. And then when they don't do it and they don't meet our expectations, we throw a fit. We go, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. Ah. You know, like, it's crazy. Like, that's what we do. But it is so backwards. It's so ridiculous. And it doesn't work. If you don't tell me what I need or what you need for me, and then I don't do it, whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? And, and maybe today, like I said, you need to go and have that tough conversation. And I'm just going to let you know, fellas, don't ask your wife, don't ask your lady what you need if you're not prepared for that answer. Because we want to think that we're the knight in shining armor. But maybe our lifestyle is just like an average joke. Maybe you're not doing the things that you did to get her now that you got her. So don't ask unless you're prepared for the answer. And it may be, it may be, uh, it may be a thing that is so long you think it's a grocery list going to H-E-B. That's okay. You need to ask and you need to figure it out, okay? Because you got to live with her. You got to sleep next to her. He's like, okay, when you said till death do us part, you should mean that. And, and ladies, it may be the exact opposite. Your man may ask you, what, 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 what do I need to do for you? And you go, I don't, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. But when you do this, I don't really like that. And when you say that, when you talk like that, I don't feel loved. It may be that response. It may be that answer. And so be prepared for that. But we need to have these tough conversations. You know, if you have tough conversations before you have to have tough conversations, it's so much easier. I want you to hear that again. If you have tough conversations before you have to have tough conversations, it makes things so much easier. So I want to I move, move on to the four barriers of communication. These are four levels of communication. I want to move on to the four barriers. And the first barrier is withdrawal. 
This is where we shut down and we make statements like, I'm done. I'm fine. It's, it's fine. Okay. Men in this room, I, I better get an amen right here. If your woman says I'm fine, it, it, you better, it's threat level midnight. You better sound the alarm. If she goes, if she looks at you just straight face and goes, I'm fine. She is not fine. <laughs> and then men will do this. Like she's talking to us about something and we'll go, okay, okay, okay. That means we're done with this conversation. Like quit talking to me. Quit talking about this. Quit talking to me, woman. Okay. I'm done. Like, but, but it's not okay. It's not okay for us to withdraw and shut down. That's where we get back to that bottling up. And we're not sharing our feelings. We have to get healthy about it. And, you know, it's classically referred to the silent treatment, this withdrawal scenario. And I want to share this story that just illustrates this point so well. There was a man and uh, he and his wife got in an argument late at night and he traveled for business and he had to wake up very early the next morning. But he wasn't super great at waking up to his alarm. Anybody out there, you hit snooze 42 times and you're always late. Like, I'm that guy. I need to work on it. But he said, you know what? He said, man, I got this whipped. I got her beat. You know, because when you're doing the silent treatment and, and you're married, like, you know how this how it goes. Like, this is the bed and you get, you get to the edge of the bed and you're like this because, like, you can't even have a toe touch, you know, because if the toe touches, you lose you lose. Okay. So, so, so he's laying in the bed and he says, man, I got this. Cause he doesn't want to turn over and go, Hey, Hey baby, can you wake me up at five? Cause then he loses. So she, she gets up to go brush her teeth or wash his face. And he, he jumps up from his spot and he runs to the other side of the bed and he writes a little note on her nightstand. It says, wake me up at 5am. So he thinks, you know, I'm good. I got this. Next morning, he wakes up at 9 a.m. And he knows it's not 5 a.m. because there's light coming into the room. And he starts freaking out. You know that frantic thing that you go through when you know you woke up late? And he's like, oh, and he's like, he's going crazy. And he kind of calms down and he looks at his nightstand and he sees a note on it. And she left a note and he looks at it and it says, wake up, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> Guys, we're not equipped to win this battle, okay? So don't even go there. Don't even go there. The next barrier, the next barrier to communication is escalation. If I have to get loud to make my point, my point is lost. If I have to get loud for you to receive it, you're not going to receive it. And even if I feel like I've won when I get loud, I haven't. You ain't winning. This is so crazy. And studying for this message, I found this out. Researchers have done studies, and they discovered that when a man's heartbeat goes over 100 beats per minute, they lose all ability to process rational thoughts. So when you escalate, when you get crazy, and you're being, well, I'm going to tell them how it is, and I'm, gonna, I'm the man of this house, and you're going to listen to me, woman. Or, or, or kid, or what you know, you whippersnapper, whatever you want. <laughs> like, you gonna listen to me. Guess what? When you get like that, you're just spewing out vomit. It doesn't even make sense. You know, me and my dad, we have a, we have a great relationship now, but for most of my life, I was severely verbally abused. 
and at a loud tone. <laughs> it wasn't just verbal abuse. It was verbal abuse that was through a megaphone. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, when you yell at me, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to punch you in the throat. Or, <laughs> or I'm going to try to talk to God and I'm just going to shut down. Like, because the punching you in the throat is the bad option there. And, and I'm going to withdraw. You know, we talked about withdrawal being a bad thing. But if, if you're someone that escalates, maybe withdrawal is a good thing. And not shutting down and bottling up, but just going, hey, man, I need a, I need a timeout. Like, can, can we table this conversation? Can we talk about this later? Because I'm, I'm about to get crazy. <laughs> and I'm going to say something to you that I'm going to regret. Because that's, you know, some people say you say the things that you really mean when you're mad. And I used to think that before I heard that study. You don't say the things you really mean when you're mad because you're not processing your thoughts correctly. So think about that. The third one is belittling. And this is when I can't win the argument. So I'm just going to tear you down in the process. You know, if you post anything political, whether it's on the left or the right, I don't, I don't care what your, your preference is, you will find out very quickly who the belittlers are on social is belittler even a word this sounds kind of weird you will find out who the belittlers are um and so uh, this is just my political statement don't do that whichever side of the fence you're on don't attack people you know so many times when we post something like that you're gonna you're gonna find them out because they're gonna start coming out and throwing haymakers at you because if if they can't win they're going to tear you down. And so I just want to encourage you, stay, stay out of that. Don't get involved in that. And then this is belittling's ugly cousin, and it's nagging. <laughs> I'm so glad that you laughed because, ladies, I'm going to talk to you for a minute, and, and you're just going to have to just, just hang in here with me. <laughs> Woo! Boy, you walking in troubled waters. Ladies, if you nag us, it's not going to get you anywhere. Am I saying something, men? Can I get an amen? You will get so much further if you encourage your man rather than nag him. I'm going to tell you like this, and this is kind of a funny illustration, but it'll make the point. I played sports a lot growing up, played basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, all kinds of hockey. I, I played a lot of things. You know, if, if we came into a timeout and I had just been sucking it up, you know, I've been awful, I've been garbage, and my coach would have said that to me, like, what are you doing, Cass? You idiot, you're ruining the game here. What's going on? Get on the bench. You know, like, that would not help me. I'd probably go sit on the bench and do this right here. <laughs> you know, just like suck my thumb or something. But guess what coach did? He'd give me a slap on the butt. And say, get in there. You can do this. And, you know, I, I feel strong. Like, I got this. Ladies, give your man a little slap on the butt. It's, it's simple. Encourage him. I promise you it'll go a long way. When you're walking into the house today, give him a little slap on the butt and say, baby, thank you for taking us to church today. I guarantee you they'll ride with that comment all week. My pastor back home said, you can either speak to the fool in your man or you can speak to the king in him. So who do you want? And that goes both ways, man. You can speak to the fool in your lady or you can speak to the queen in her. Who are you going to speak into her and what are you going to speak about her and them? 
You know, it's time that we, we develop this habit of not attacking individuals, but issues. You see, because when we attack issues, we solve problems. But when we attack people, we create more. I want you to keep that in mind. When you attack issues, you create more. When you attack, uh, you solve them. When you attack people, you create more. The last barrier to communication is false belief. And this is where it can become demonic. And, and, and I'm not, not trying to throw that out for shock factor, but it is true. Because in John, it says that the devil is the father of all lies. And you ever had this? I know you have. I know you. if you have not had this moment in your life, you're lying. You're being like the devil. <laughs> you ever been in a conflict, an issue with somebody, and, and, and you're not sharp with your mind or your comebacks, and you're thinking about the argument and the conversation afterwards, and you think of the, the greatest comeback, man, that one-liner that just would have got him, you know, dropped him like Muhammad Ali. I'm sorry, that's demonic. Think about it. The Bible says we either speak life or death with our tongue. And so if afterwards you are spending time thinking of how to deconstruct someone, that is not of God. And man, that hit me hard when I thought about that. I've done that. We've all done that. And it can look this way too. And God, as my witness, I already had this in my notes. My wife will tell you if I'm a liar. We were eating at a restaurant in Beaumont last night. And these four ladies, they sat behind us. And I'm not attacking ladies. I know men can do this. I've seen men do this. I've heard them. And so I'm talking to everybody. I'm just going to use this example because it's fresh. We're sitting down eating. My wife and I are having a wonderful evening, spending some time together. It's been a busy week. And these women behind us are bashing their husbands. I mean, dogging him. Well, you can you believe what he did? And, and then he said this. And, and then she was like, oh, girl, I wouldn't even stay with a man like that. You know, and like they're going around and they're just running roughshod on their husbands. We have got to quit speaking negative about people behind their back. It has got to stop. It is not of God. And I understand, I understand life's tough, relationships are tough, and, and, and you want to vent sometimes. But that goes back to you're probably bottling up your emotions and you're not sharing with them how you feel or you wouldn't be sharing it with somebody else. And that goes for any relationship. We got to start having, you know, this uncommon communication with people. So how do we do that? You know, in, like I said, in Proverbs 18 and 21, it says the tongue can bring life or death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And then in Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37, it says, let me tell you something. Every one of these careless, careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. 
And so I want to just give weight to that. There's life and death in our words. And we are going to give an account for care. What do you mean? When I get to heaven, God's going to be like, hey, what what, what about this? You know, you were having ladies night and that guy said you were talking about your husbands the whole time. You know, I don't know if that's how God talks. That's my God voice. (laughs) So, (laughs) no, I don't mean that's going to happen if you don't repent from that. If you don't go to God and say, God, can you wash my sins away? The time when I was letting the enemy use me and my words were destructive. You know, the single biggest problem, this is what George Bernard Shaw said about communication. The biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has already taken place. The illusion that it has already taken place. And I want to give you some more context to how powerful our words are. In the third verse of the Bible, not the third chapter, the third verse, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Our words create the world we live in. Your words create the the world your kids live in, your spouses live in, your coworkers live in. They are powerful. So if we have been careless our words, we must now become intentional. I want you to key in on that word. Intentional in the words that we speak to each other. You know, there are seven types of communication that we can all use. And I've kind of been beating you guys up and, and attacking the ladies and attacking the guys. But I want to get off of that. So just take a deep breath and go, oh, we're done with that, you know. <laughs> I want to talk about some ways that we can develop uncommon communication. The first one is praise. And this is where I find qualities that I like about you, and I'm going to acknowledge them. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to speak them. I'm going to say them. Proverbs 25 and 11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What that lets me know is that my words not only need to be beautiful, They need to be valuable. I need to say things that are beautiful and valuable. The second way that we can have uncommon communication is thanksgiving. Colossians 2 and 7 in the message, and I love the way it's written out here. It says, now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subjects and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. You know, I think about this when I think about Thanksgiving. I have a, a, he's almost four years old now, Nathaniel, our second son. And when someone does something for him or, or he's supposed to say thank you, we go, what do you say? What do you say? And we ain't moving on to it and go, until he goes, thank you. <laughs> like, I think as adults, we probably need a little kid that's like following us around. And when something happens nice, they should go, hey, what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> you know, they need, to, they, need to, they need to remind us to be thankful, to thank people for what they do. Instead of being belittling and nagging, you go, man, thank you for taking out the trash. Instead of going, you didn't take out the trash. <laughs> you know, we got to flip the script. The third one is affection. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I've drawn you to myself. This is, this is God speaking to us. And we have, to, we have to tell people, man, I love you. You matter. You care to me. You know, I care about you. You are important to me. Or you could say it like Pastor Scobie says, I love you. If you were here week one, you, you know, you get that. 
You can say, I love you. So we need to tell people that we love them. The famous football coach, uh, Lou Holtz, he, he, he was huge on family. And he used to go around and talk about that aside from football. And uh, one time somebody asked him, hey, coach, uh, how often should I tell my wife I love her? And he said, before the next guy does. <laughs> hey, there's somebody right now that would love to have what you have. I want you to think about that. There's somebody right now that would love to have what you have. So you better cherish it and not only cherish it, you better voice it. I'm trying to help you guys out right now. You go home and you tell your lady how much you love her and how much she It's going to be a good night in your house, man. Amen. Hallelujah. The fourth is encouragement. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful to build people up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Every word is either building someone up or beating someone up. There are no neutral words when it comes to relationship. I'm either, I'm either speaking life, speaking something good, or I'm speaking something negative. I'm speaking death. It is, it is one or the other. It is, there is no middle ground. And I want to stop here on this point, and, and it kind of ties in. I, I didn't really mean to, to, to talk about this, but it kind of ties into what's going on. You know, we're going to two services, and we need help in our kids. How many of you know that, man, your kids need some encouragement? You need to go through next, and if you like kids, don't do this if you don't like kids. We don't want you in there drop-kicking little Johnny. <laughs> okay, don't, if you don't like kids, this is not for you. But if you like kids and you haven't went through next, you need to get in there and you know what? You need to encourage those kids because, man, they hear all kinds of junk at school and in the world and in social media. You need to get in there and say, man, you're a world changer. You're special. You're unique. I'm glad you came to church today. I love you. You matter. Man, our kids need that. Can we give that just a good clap? You need to get in there and encourage them. And parents, I, I heard, I, I listened to all kinds of podcasts and I heard a guy, he was talking about parenting and man, this hit me right in the face. I mean, just like a shovel to my heart, so to speak. He said, we don't need to be so quick to break our children's will that we break their spirit. Man, like I know your kids do stupid stuff. We were all kids once, but give them a break, man. Think about when you were a kid and how someone responded to you and how you made them that that made you feel like they're kids. They're going to mess up. Give them some space to mess up and don't freak out on them. Encourage them. Speak to what you want them to do, not to what they're doing. Encourage them, build them up, lift them up. The fifth is kindness. I want to create an environment where you feel safe. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, I've heard it said, it's a great little saying, and, and I want to share it here. If you can be anything, be kind. There are so many people that if they had a sign hanging off of their neck that said what they were going through, we'd be a lot kinder. I want you to think about that when you approach somebody in conversation. What are they going through that they're not willing to share with me? And how could my kindness affect them? In Hebrews, it says that God's kindness leads men to repentance. 
So if God is kind and it causes us to change, how much more should we be kind to others to affect them in a positive way? Be kind. The sixth is truth and love. And you may be saying, well, Pastor Sean, you've been talking about all this stuff. You soft and lovey-dovey. And man, I can't just say nothing about nobody that's bad. Well, yeah, you can, but we're going to do it with truth and love. You know, some people, they like to, they like to coat truth and love with this mask of, well, I'm just keeping it real, dog. I'm just keeping it real. That's how it is. No, when you keep it real, it's just like a blanket statement for you to be a jerk with what you're about to say. Okay, <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. No, you're just being a jerk. <laughs> so I want to say it's okay to tell people what's wrong, but you don't enforce what's wrong. Just like Romans 12 and 2 says, let God transform you. In John, it says that Jesus was full of truth and grace. If we just speak truth, it's mean. If we just speak grace, it's meaningless. It's got to be combined, truth and grace. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, We will speak the truth in love, growing every way more and more like Christ. I'll say it this way. If you screwed up and God was speaking to you, how would you want him to talk to you? And when someone screws up in your life, maybe approach it from that that avenue. How would I want God to say to talk to me if I messed up, if I blew it? And consider that when you talk to somebody about something they've done. The last the last thing I, I want to hit, and I'm I'm wrapping up is is seven, and that is prayer. And I didn't leave it for the last slide because it's the least important. I believe prayer should not be our last resort, but our first priority. You know, you've heard the statement, well, all we can do now is pray. No, you could have been praying the whole time. <laughs> like that, that opportunity was there. Some of your relationships, some of your issues are just one heartfelt prayer away from changing drastically. James 5 and 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces, produces wonderful results. I want to encourage you today that maybe you've come in here for the first time and, and, and you're new to this whole church thing. You're new to this whole God thing, but something that has been sung or something has been said has, has pricked your heart. And it's, it's, it's made you feel like, man, I, I want more of this. I want to make a next step. I want to do, I want to have uncommon communication. I want to have uncommon relationships. I don't want to follow the world, but I want to be transformed by God. I want to invite all of you to stand. And I want to pray a prayer over every single one of us. And as you stand with with all of your eyes closed and your, your heads bowed, if we can just respect this, this moment. If that's you today and you're here for the first time and, and maybe you feel far from God or maybe you want to recommit your life to God today, I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you that we have this place to come into worship. And I thank you that we can have relationship with you. And God, if there is someone underneath the sound of my voice today that that's them, I want them to pray this prayer after me. 
If that's you, would you just, you just pray this prayer after me? God, help me to not follow the patterns of this world, but to follow the patterns you have set to let you transform my life. God, come into my heart because in Romans it says, if I confess and believe, you will live in me. And maybe I've been living without you. Maybe my life up to this point, you've been non-existent, but today I want to invite you in. God, come into my heart live in me and transform me and start me on a new path, a new journey in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. With your eyes still closed.